your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Ordinarily, going into Sunday night at Heinz Field, we'll be talking about the big rivalry between the Steelers and Ravens. But then the Steelers and Bengals reenacted the Battle of Guadalcanal, and the Ravens prayed for Ryan Shazier before practice, and now we're all going to sing Kumbaya. Uh, real classy move by the Ravens, by the way. Much respect, and I thank their organization on behalf of Pittsburgh. But it doesn't exactly ignite the rivalry, now does it? Still, it's an awful big football game. The Steelers are battling for home field. The Ravens are trying to hang on for that last wild card. People debate why the Bengals have kind of taken over that big rival spot from Baltimore when it comes to the Steelers. Let me make clear if that's true, I think it's going to wind up being temporary. I think the Ravens are the real rival still because those are the two best teams in the AFC North. But right now, everybody hates Montez Perfect. He's like Ray Lewis on meth. He hurt Bell, he hurt Brown, he kicked Nix in the head, and he's tried to hurt Ben. Perfect is like Ray Lewis, only worse. He has made the rivalry switch over. But who knows? Before Sunday night is over, somebody may do something to make the rivalry switch back. Like maybe Baltimore winning. Sick again. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Uh, this rivalry between Pittsburgh and Baltimore is special and has had a lot of great moments. I think the two best moments are Troy Pulamalu's pick six in 2008 because that was in the AFC Championship game. Uh, 08 season, the game was played in January 09. And the Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl after that pick six. And then you got Antonio Brown reaching the ball across the goal line last year to win the division. And for comic relief, you got Mike Tomlin wandering onto the field during that kickoff return in 2013, Jacoby Jones. You know, back then, we made all kinds of excuses for Tomlin. Lost track of where he was, yada, yada. Wasn't paying attention, blah, blah, blah. Didn't detract from Jones' return, etc., etc. Watch that now and try to forget the context. Mike Tomlin did everything but try to trip him. He definitely deliberately got in his way. But he forgot where he was. I don't want to debate all that crap again all these years later because I did it enough back then. But watch it again and see what you think. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, We've been talking about the Penguins. You know, the Penguins were sloppy and inconsistent as they've been even recently. They won five out of six and could have beat the Rangers on Tuesday. Play Toronto tomorrow night at BPG Paints Arena. That'll be very interesting. Uh, then they play again at home Monday and go on the road. And I go with them to fabulous Las Vegas. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm working on a column about what they need to get. And I think they not only need to get a third-line center, they need to get any bottom 6-4 that can score 15 goals, and they need another defenseman. And the reason they need another defenseman is, even though I like their top four, which is Tanger, 
Mata, Schultz, and Dumoulin. And Ian Cole's a very solid number five. And you can get by with Ruedel or Hunwick as the six. But you need like an eighth and a ninth. And didn't we learn that the last, you know, couple of years winning the Stanley Cup? You can never have enough high-caliber defensemen. It was good to see Hanwick play a, a, a decent game last night and, for the sake of his confidence, get that game-winning goal in overtime. Like I said earlier, it shows how dominoes fall in team sports when Hunwick never plays the three-on-three overtime but got a shift last night because Schultz is out and Hunwick jumped in that spot because he has speed. Hopefully Hunwick can keep uh, playing well and maybe finally get used to that right side. You know what I would do with him if I were Sullivan? I'd say to him, look, you're not comfortable on the right side. It's either that or don't play. So we're going to put you on the right side and just, you know, do your best. You can't leave options, which they kind of gave Hunwick by scratching Cole and putting him on the left side. Uh, So I want to get another defenseman. I got to get a center. I got to get more scoring at the bottom six. But now here's a question. Who does Rutherford have to trade to get all that? Well, he have to trade a, a relatively big name, and I don't mean Sid, Gino, Latang, Murray, but but somebody you know like a Dumoulin or a Mata. And I wouldn't, but might he have to if he wants to get what they need? But they can't trade a top four defenseman. I'm kind of being exemplary there. What if you could make the right deal for Hornquist? But then again, how could you? You know, I, I, I want to sign Hornquist long term. But what if you could make the right deal? I don't know. Interesting times for the Penguins. People want to get Matt Cullen back. And, and let me tell you, I hear that's a possibility. Because Bruce Boudreau, the coach of Minnesota, is not enamored of Cullen. He only has one goal in 27 games. Now think about this. He has less goals than Riley Shand. Now, that, that could mean he's not being used right. It also might mean at 40 years old, his time is finally up. Would they bring him back? I don't know. I think it's up to Cully's wife. Because from what I understand, she made the decision uh, to go home to Minnesota. But uh, I don't like to recycle. If Cully was playing good Minnesota, I'd want him, but he's not. And if he was playing good Minnesota, they wouldn't want to trade him. I heard Cully might be a healthy scratch tonight. Yikes. Uh, by the way, I want you to be aware that in the past seven days, Kuhnhockel, Haglund, and Shane have all scored. December th- 23rd is still two weeks away, but it's a festivist miracle already. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about them. Let's go to Lamont on the south side. Lamont, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Uh, hi, Double M. What's up, Today? Uh Yeah, I was just wondering, what would your feelings be if the Steelers decided to try uh, running Bell in the slot and letting um, Nix or one of the other uh, halfbacks cover that position, seeing as how Bryant... Why on earth would they do that? I, I mean, it was just a, a thought, only because... Okay, Bryant I understand. Why on earth would they do that? Because Bryant hasn't been performing as well as he should. Okay, but Bell has been performing as well as he should. So why would well, you move him from a spot where he's produced so much and 
And so consistently lately, especially when they find a good balance for Le'Veon Bell between carries and receptions. Very true. Very true. I mean, it was just a, an idea. No, it, bro, no I, offense because you've been very uh, nice by me stonewalling you, but I, I just not a good idea. There, there's not one single good reason to do it, bro. Not one. Oh, I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was a good idea. Oh, idea okay. Well, actually, then head. you've caught on to talk radio because we just don't. We just want ideas, just ideas. We don't care at all if they're good. And I'm not kidding. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. Let's line some calls up. This job doesn't get easier. I'm going to be a mailman or a guy who waves the flag for construction crew, but not in the bad weather. 105.90X. Oh, wait. We have breaking news thanks to Dale Lolly from DKPittsburghSports.com. Dale Lolly has been told by James Harrison, if I'd known I wasn't going to play, I would have signed somewhere else. This is the first official bitching from James Harrison that he has barely been involved in what the Steelers have done. I would say to James Harrison, James, at 39 years old, the Steelers did you a favor and gave you a paycheck. I don't know if you would have been in demand anywhere else. Joining me now in studio, he is the king of old school, 40-year broadcasting veteran, John Steigerwald. Staggy, uh, I'm uh, just finding out what Harrison said. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you heard it from me for the first <laughs> That's time. The first hour, yeah. uh, what's your reaction to that? I think the Steelers well, did him a favor just giving him a paycheck. Yeah, I mean, that, how'd that work out for him in Cincinnati when he went and signed somewhere else? Right, he ended up coming right back here. Yeah, so I'm, he's 39. Just take your paycheck, James. You know, what are they paying him? Are they paying him? they got to be paying him at least a million dollars. I don't know, but, uh, but it's, you know, he's done. He's, he shows up and lifts weights and goes home. Well, him and Tomlin are, are buddies. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming that the reason Harrison isn't playing is because they don't feel he can help. I don't think there's anything uh, more diabolical to it. I don't think a guy who has been in Harrison's corner for the entirety of, of, of his coaching tenure, Mike Tomlin, would turn on Harrison all of a sudden. No, and I you know, I don't know if anybody's out there's noticed it noticed it, but uh not too many NFL coaches uh survive for a long time by being sentimental about players. If they can't help you, they're gone. Well a, a quick update, Harrison's making two point two million this year. I'd take it. Yeah, I mean, he's getting paid $2.2 million to never be hit. Yes, he's getting paid $2.2 million to show up for practice. They don't hit in practice anymore. What's he do? <laughs> well, works out, and then he posts <laughs> yeah. the videos. Yeah. Uh, getting to the original agenda, Stag, if the NFL flipped coins to decide their disciplinary process, could it be any more haphazard? Nope. I don't get it. And I, you know, here's the thing, though. I thought Mike Mitchell's comments were great. Yes. And I, I think that I'm here. I heard that Craig Wolfley said they were spot on, so he agreed with him. He's an old-school guy. He agreed with it. And I think it's it was from the comments that I've seen in response to it around uh, the Internet and on TV, uh, I think most people agree with him. But here's my question. Is Mike Mitchell going to still feel say Is Mike Mitchell going to be part of a class action suit 15 years from now when he's 45 years That's old. a good point. That's a good point. He might want to hit now, yeah. but he might want paid for having hit too much yeah. uh, once his career's over. So it's easy to say that now. As long as you're going to – can you can you give me a written guarantee that you're not going to be take part in any lawsuit or be willing to take any of the money that might be handed out as a result of a future lawsuit? No, I, I totally agree with that, but I think in terms of the actual game and what can and can't be done to fix it uh, – I think Mitchell was right on the money. Nothing. Ryan Smith, who uh, 
is a uh, a talking head for ESPN. Right. He said today he keeps hearing complaints about the big hits and the injuries. Yep. He doesn't know what the NFL is expected to do about it. Well, I heard I that, either. and I have something they can do about it, and they won't. And that's and I've been saying it for years. I didn't start saying it since uh, Ryan Shazier was injured. Um, I've been saying it for a long time that the thing that they ignored is the the juiced players. They're way too big and way too fast for being that big, and you don't get there naturally. And every owner in the league walks into his locker room and he sees those guys, and they know that they're on the juice, and they don't shrink them. You know, safeties now are a lot bigger than they used to be. Those guys, they're 215, 220 pounds instead of 190. And so you're having those collisions out there with guys who are a lot bigger, and that's gonna that means more injuries. But they won't do anything about that. They'll talk about it. They'll have... Drug testing that will only catch morons, but they, but everybody knows that they're juiced and they don't do anything about it. So I have no sympathy for anybody. Uh, nor I. Yeah. What punishment would you have given to Juju, to Iloka, and to Gronkowski? Gronkowski, I'd have gotten, he'd have gotten a big one, three or four games. The other two guys, I don't know if I'd give them anything. Um, because one of the good points that I saw made or heard made by somebody, I don't know who it was, it might even have been an official. Um, the, the, the thing that makes it so tough to judge fairly is that the TV replay allows you to see it in slow motion, whereas the play, not only is the official watching it in real time, but it's, it's happening in real time. So it's real easy to say, well, he, he aimed for his head, which he, which it looks like he obviously did, uh, on the hit on, uh, Antonio Brown in the end zone, but, I'm not. I'm not out there, and I, I, all I know is I'm in a. De- if I'm in a desperate situation in a game, I really want to win. And a- Antonio Brown has the ball, and I see he's catching it up on his chest. And I think if I explode in there and blow him up, he might drop it. That's what I'm paid to do. That's what I'm going to do. And y- you know, you can't. It's really hard to, after the fact, say, well, you you targeted his head. So I, I think that might be why he his suspension was. Uh, well, now they're talking about using the college targeting rule. Yeah. which would give an automatic penalty and ejection to any player who targets the head. But you know what that would do? That would make the referees never call it. Right. The rule could exist, but referees don't want to throw people out of the game. That's true. As indicated by, I thought that the Gronkowski penalty was an obvious ejection. And I think, you know, if you're trying to knock out what you're trying to knock out, you could have ejected Smith-Schuster and Iloka, oh, yeah. too. Now, yeah. if it were up to me, I'd say, no, I'm with you. I wouldn't have penalized... I might have thrown a flag, right. but not suspended them. And by the way, I think if you suspend one, you got to suspend both. Right. But 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 like I, the refs just aren't going to reject people. No. Nope. So whatever rule they put in, they need to put in realizing that because it's true. Yeah. And if they do get to the point where they're looking at it that closely, that's just another a reason to delay the the game and make them drag on longer. If they're going to start, if are they 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 can't. You cannot make a fair call on that in real time. The only way you can 99% of the time make a fair call on a targeting play is by looking at it in slow motion in a replay. And, and again, that's not fair to the player because he's not playing in slow motion. We're talking to John Steigerwald, the king of old school. He's brought to you by Matt Mertz Plummet, Kant on a name you can trust. Uh, the Shea's ear injury is bad, and it looked bad the moment he went down, didn't it? Yep, and it's uh, it's... It was a routine tackle. That's the thing, you know. You see all these, and that interesting that in that same game, there were all these vicious hits 
uh, including the one on the nasty-looking hit on Brown at the end in the end zone. But it was a routine tackle that that uh, caused what may be the Steelers' most serious injury in I don't know how long, years and years. And and it was just a, well, a, since Tommy Maddox, that was in 03, I think. Yeah, but uh, but Maddox at this point was out of the hospital and and home. oh, I know, I yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about yeah. appearances on the field. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, really, he exited exactly the same way as Tommy Maddox. Yeah, but but in this case, Shazier was making the tackle, and um, well, right. And, and it was a matter of fundamentals and and having his head down instead of having it up and they say see what you're tackling and it's it, I think they do it all the time I mean, they're they're told about it but they still they still do it all the time and they just every once in a while it gets you and it got Shazier my first hope of course is that Shazier can walk and live a normal life right but am I a jerk if I hope he can play football again someday no I don't think so I'm sure he wants to play football again but I've been lectured nonstop because you should be concerned about his life walking being normal and nothing else. No. You're not allowed to be concerned about anything else. No, you if you know football players or know anybody who played football, especially at that level, you know that uh that is their life, playing football. Especially when you're how old is he? 26, 27 years old. Um that's that is his life. And yeah, you want him to obviously you want him to be able to have a normal life and be able to walk around and do the things that everybody else can do, but He's a football player. That's what he wants to do. And it's not just about the money. Uh, Stag, what is that next game between the Steelers and Bengals going to be like? <laughs> and will it be on primetime TV? It should be. Did you see the ratings? <laughs> well, the ratings were, I mean, the ratings were like jacked up. They you, were, you, you, don't, you don't know it's going to be uh, Omaha Beach before the game right. starts, but... Uh, but but people love to see that kind of football. If that's a sad commentary on our American society, well, then it's also an accurate one. Yeah, it's accurate. And and you know, Mike Mitchell said it pretty well. He he's, he he signed up for this. I think I think football players enjoy that kind of a game. If you have those same hits minus the Shazier uh, injury, which again came on a routine tackle, it didn't come on. Uh, that could have happened to a, a kid in the ninth grade. Just you know, making a tackle like that, so right. that had nothing to do with the NFL. Well, right. Uh, but when I look at the potential for that next game, because Vontez Perfect will still be on the oh, Bengals, yeah. uh, and to act as if he'll take that in mature fashion and just <laughs> consider it a football play and go out and just play right. the game next time—that is incredibly idiotic. Uh, remember when uh, the goalie fight took place between this? Penguins and Islanders yeah. in 11. Yep. And then when the Penguins visited Long Island uh, the next game, they had called up every goon yeah. in their minor league system. <laughs> that's right. And it turned into a total jackpot. Uh, that's right. Don't you think this next Steelers-Bengals game is going to be like, no matter what precautions the league tries to take? I think it could. And and uh, I think there would be less of a chance of that happening if they would have laid uh, a three-game suspension, whether you think it's justified or not. If they want to send a message, they got to start laying people off for three and four games and taking some serious money away from them. You you, you can't find a guy who's making uh, three hundred thousand dollars a game, twenty five thousand bucks for uh, for a for an illegal hit, and expect that to be a deterrent in any way. You got to you want to you want to get these guys' attention, then you have to you have to 
sit them out for three or four games and let them miss a three or four game day checks. Right, but I don't want them to do that. I want the game to be. Physical. I don't care what they do. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> that's well put. I I, I don't. I, I mean, if that's if that's football, I, I used to like to watch boxing, and I I saw. Well, well that, yeah. that it's worth noting that that game Monday night, and I've said this a hundred times this week, stack that game from Monday night. You played ten years ago. It's just your average football game. That's right. You play it 20 years ago. It's actually on the light side, you know, let alone 30, 40 years ago, the light side when it comes to hitting. And, you know, 15, 20 years ago, all those hits are put on a DVD and sold by the league and on ESPN segment jacked up. No question. And and uh, Brent Musburger, the, speaking of old school, he had a great tweet this week. He said, okay, snowflakes. He said, the, the NFL became a huge success in great part because of a TV show called The Violent World of Sam Huff, which was, for you youngsters out there, a uh, a documentary done by CBS way back in 1960 when they put a mic on Sam Huff and glorified the violence of a middle linebacker in the NFL. And they showed him in practice, They and they talked to him about it, and he said, that's what sold football. If you don't like it, don't watch it. That's football. Yeah, good thing Brent didn't date himself at all by talking yeah. about Sam Huff. Well, but he's saying that's that the 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 game be, became popular because well, of violence. Know, it, that's what it is. It's weird though. Every time I say something like that, what I want football to be, yeah. I get told I'm not evolving. But but to which I reply now: Are we evolving or just going limp? Because there's a fine line there. Yeah, and and again, it's the violence is is there, but it's back in the '70s. There were guys taking steroids. Offensive linemen mostly, but there were not 220 pound safeties and 250 pound linebackers running four five forties. They are gigantic right now, and I don't think, speaking of evolving, that the human race has evolved that much in 25 or 30 years. Uh, you know, out of the five million we've been on the planet or whatever well, it is. If we're going to evolve, why can't it be something useful like growing a third arm? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, did the media overreact to how nasty that game was on Monday? Uh, the media just turned the game, and social media especially, turned that game into our shameful national nightmare. And I don't think there's ever been a better journalist-slash-broadcaster than Bob Lee on ESPN. But after that game, he's watching highlights acting like they had uh, firebombed an orphanage. Yeah, it's just, But here's the thing, Mark, again. It, the the main the big story and the saddest story coming out of that game was Ryan Shazier and that's why that that's why the game got the attention that it got and it he could have had that same injury in high school if he if he makes the tackle the same way it was a it was a fundamental mistake on his part in the in the uh, method of tackling it had nothing to do with the NFL it was just football that's all it was it's a football play and and I I don't uh, do you think that I'll ask you this do you think that um, uh, that there'd be this much conversation about the game, and if even if all those other hits were in there, if Shazier hadn't been carted off and been in the hospital, and possibly you know the questions about whether he's oh, going to no, be no. paralyzed. The, the, the Shazier injury set the table for all the other criticism, even though uh, they were not related at all. No, and you know why it it, it it it's you know it set the table because that game was no different from any other NFL game. There's just a hundred games like that every year that that have the same kind of hits in it. By the way, there was a thirty percent ratings increase. That's what I. That's why I, that I saw game. that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that game's going to be on prime time again next year. Should be. You, you know, I, I got to tell you, normally there's two sides to a story. I totally blame the Bengals. Uh, if you want to blame anybody for that game, they have the motliest crew going with oh, Perfect, Pac-Man, Mixon, who all got hurt. 
right. which shows God does watch football. Right. They all got hurt. And uh, to act like Burfick didn't reap what he sowed is absurd. Also, to act like Juju didn't know who that was is also absurd. And and I don't I don't have a problem with what he did if he did target him. That's football. It's 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 a sick game, you know. I mean, it's that's football. It's the same thing with hockey. If 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 I used to get so annoyed when people would be uh, upset about hockey fights. It, it's a sick sport. That's what makes it entertaining. You know, don't watch it. That doesn't mean you don't want to you know see see precautions and taken so that people don't get severely injured. But you you can't have a game with people skating around with sticks and, and not think that there's. Crazy things are going to happen once in a while. It's it's in football. It's you got you got two hundred and sixty pound people running into each other. And if you don't like it, try soccer or tennis or you know it's just it's, that's the kind of game it is. Now without Shazier, could Pittsburgh beat New England? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Ravens. No, I think uh, they could beat the Ravens without him. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I think what worries me on behalf of the Steelers in that Ravens game is. The Ravens use their tight end a lot, and they run a lot, and that kind of targets potentially that inside backer area, which is left weaker, no doubt, without right, Shazier. Right, and uh, but, I, but I just think the one edge Pittsburgh had against New England, looking ahead to the playoffs all the way, right, is that Dante Hightower's out for the year, but now basically Pittsburgh's version of Dante Hightower is also out for the year. It's neutralized, and and you know Shazier is kind of a hybrid. Player that uh, a guy that you don't see very often uh, in, in the position he plays because of his speed, and it would seem to me that Shazier is the kind of guy that when when teams are getting ready to play the Steelers and the coaches are in the film room, they spend a lot of time talking about how to deal with Shazier because of his all the ground yes. that he covers, and and they the Ravens don't have to worry about that this week, and the Patriots won't, neither will anybody else for the the rest of this season. That 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 can't be good for the Steelers. You, that you just you you can replace Shazier with any number of guys, but you Shazier is a unique kind of a player. You can't you, you can't replace him. I'm interested to see how Art Motes does moving outside, inside. He's played both, I guess. But. Yeah, but not in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he played inside and he's in Buffalo, but he can move. Yeah, you know he he's pretty mobile. He's not Shazier, but he's a smart player. What I think they're going to do, Stag and, and Craig Wolfley agreed. L.J. Ford obviously plays that position. Yeah. But I don't think they have faith in Motes or Fort to go the distance every snap. So I think they're going to give each of them some snaps and also obviously play nickel and dime, too. Yeah, and hope they score a lot of points. Um, and I saw an interesting stat. Uh, the, other th- the other thing that I don't think enough people are talking about is that uh, Juju is out also. And oh, that, right. that, that, that depletes, that, that knocks down their... Their depth at, although at wide receiver. A, although AB's toes apparently better, and I got to give him credit for playing through an injury yeah. and playing really well oh, in Cincinnati. And, and you know how many you know how many twenty yard catches uh, and um, uh, Martavis has made this year? Two. He was supposed to have by by this time this year, based on everything that was being said. Yeah, but when you're stoned, short distances well, look longer. They do, and they take longer. But but I mean, we were gonna, we were told this guy was going to have. 20 touchdown catches this year and 1,500 yards, and he's got two passes that are longer than home plate to the pitcher's mound. And he drops a lot, too. He, yeah, he yeah. Just, all he is is just some guy. He's yeah. he's Mike Wallace, but not as good. And he's always got the potential at any time to make a ridiculously spectacular play because he's that he's got that kind of an athlete. Finally, Stag, I think the most important thing that's happened for the Steelers the past, I don't know, three, four weeks is Ben turned back into Ben. Now, he's not you know in his pomp, in his prime. Right. But he's making all the important throws, which yeah. is always no. You know the stats, okay, good. Right. 
all pro, I mean, pro bowls, I should right. say, because he's made those. It's always been about Ben making the big throws, hasn't it? And he's making them right now. And in, in the last few weeks, he's really been making them. And um, uh, I think the main thing for him is not so much his throws. It's going to be staying away from or keeping Suggs away from him. Suggs can put a serious hurt on somebody, speaking of injuries. And he's he, he has been known to spend some time in the Steelers' backfield. And that, that could be an issue. That is John Stagelwald. I'm Mark Madden. James Harrison's pissed he's not playing. He finally popped off. I'll give you the quote in a moment. I want to know what you think. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Thank you. I want to say, hell, Mark. I would rather give myself a colonoscopy with a coat hanger. The X at 105.9. It's time now for Coors Light Cold Hard Facts. Brought to you by Coors Light. Fact. Artie Burns played better versus Cincinnati than he did against Green Bay. This week he's going to face Mike Wallace and not A.J. Green. Artie is on the way back. Fact. The guy to watch for Baltimore is Alex Collins, the running back. He's averaging almost five yards per carry, and he might take advantage of the Steelers having to patch it together an inside backer, although I think Art Motes is going to do just fine. Fact. Chris Hubbard has done great uh, subbing in for Gilbert at right tackle. He's only allowed Ben to get hit once over the past two weeks, but Sunday night he'll be facing Matthew Juden, who's got the highest sack percentage in the league among outside linebackers in a 3-4. Fact. If Baltimore does win this game, it's hard to imagine Joe Flacco doing it because he's been stunningly mediocre. And fact. It's not relevant to the Steeler game, but did you see Dan Potash dressed up as Darth Maul from Star Wars do interviews at the Penguin Star Wars night last night? F-F-S. It's hilarious, but it did detract from the interviews. I got some photos posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com of uh, Potash dressed as Darth Maul. And I have no idea who Darth Maul is or... What looking like that represents. Uh, he's interviewing Sullivan and Gensel. And Gensel actually looked a little bit scared. A, a couple Steeler quotes to go over. Vince Williams told Mike Pursuta regarding playing for Shazier. I can't really say we're going to play for Shazier. Certainly there's added incentive. We understand you can't take this for granted. Unquote. And here's the quotes that uh, are really making the rounds. It's James Harrison talking to Dale Ollie of DKPittsburghSports.com. When Harrison was asked if he would have signed with the Steelers had he known he was not going to play, Harrison said, no, I would have signed somewhere else. When asked if Harrison's frustrated, he said, no doubt. And uh, Harrison also said, and, and to be fair, Harrison's not popping off here. He's not, you know, going crazy. He's being very well reasoned. He says, quote, if you look at everything except my age and look at all the other numbers from last year, I think I'm around there with some of the best. But the only number they can seem to look at is the age right now, unquote. Uh, let's not forget, in 2016, the Steelers were 4-5, and five, and that's when Harrison got back in the lineup and provided a spark. But now the Steelers are 10-2, and two, and they don't need a spark. 
They're fourth in the league in total defense, fifth in the league in scoring defense. So Harrison didn't say anything bad or even distracting. He was very honest and very calm. But he's making $2.2 million. I don't feel like anybody's done James Harrison a great disservice, again, especially when the Steelers are 10-2 and and on course to get home field for the AFC playoffs. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let's go to Josh in McKee's Rocks. Josh, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, big fan. Right. Hey, uh, I was just wondering, do you think uh, if the Steelers can't get past the Patriots again in the playoffs this year, um, you think Tomlin's uh, job might be in jeopardy? No, not in the least. They could lose every game from here on out. His job's not in jeopardy. Why do you think his job should be in jeopardy? Well, I don't know. I mean, especially if Ben retires this year, he's going to have to rebuild the team, and I just don't see him being that kind of coach. Being Why not? To re- Why not? Because he's had Ben his whole career. As well, a you know what? Whoever the next coach is, uh, if you know, Tomlin's not getting fired, but you know somebody's got to have the Steelers with a different quarterback, whether it's Landry Jones or whoever. When Ben retires, it seems to me you just don't think Tomlin's done a good job, and there are things about him that that bother me. But he's coached the Steelers to a lot of good seasons in an era of an unbeatable team in the same conference, a virtually unbeatable team. Put it this way, as unbeatable as any team's been in the NFL in a long time. How can you penalize him for not getting past the Patriots when very few teams do? All right, I got you. You sure do. Let's go to Luke in the car. Luke, I'm your father. Luke, you're on with Double M. Hey, uh, something about you said earlier about the Stanton deal going down uh, with the Giants. You said that he wasn't going to sign with the Giants. That they might well, not sign. It's a matter of where he agrees to be traded. Uh, he says he doesn't want to go to the Giants or the Cardinals. It looks like he's going to go to, surprise, surprise, either the Yankees or the Dodgers. Obviously. So the Giants don't get him, per se, they go after Kutch. Who in the world do you think the Pirates will try to get after him? Like a panic or knowing our front office, like Jake Peavy or something? No, 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 bro. They're going to trade him for prospects. They're going to trade him to cut payroll. You nuts? They're going to cut the payroll $15 They're not going to trade Kutch for... For anything resembling what they would have to pay him. That's what I figured, knowing our front office. Yeah, why'd you have to ask? Let's go to Sam and Glenshaw. Sam, you're on with Mark. Hey, do you think uh, Shazier's injury will make Ben retire? An impact on it? Ooh, that's actually a good question. Um, I don't think it will impact Ben's decision because... Um, well, that's a really good question. Because... Uh, Ben knows, as we all should, that that's a fluky injury. Uh, And there's so few and far between. Could it be a tiebreaker? Uh, Bro, I just don't know. If I were Ben, I would know I would look at that injury and say, boy, I'm so close to the finish line, it would be such a shame for that to happen. But how much it really impacts Ben, I don't know. Good question, though. Let's go to uh, Stush on the road. Stush. You're on with Mark. You're on the air. Let's get rid of him. Let's save Dennis for later. Up next, we got Bob McLaughlin. Harrison, uh, not bitching, but saying he's disappointed with not playing and said had he known he wasn't, he would have signed somewhere else. But I just don't think 
another team would have been interested in Harrison at 39. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, I wanted to ask why my cat talks in her sleep. Cats are weird. One time my cat didn't eat for three weeks. I didn't feed her. The X at 105.9. Joining me now is Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what did you make of James Harrison's comments at DKPittsburghSports.com? He says had he known he wasn't going to play, he would have signed elsewhere. Well, I like the way he framed it, that he didn't pop off. He didn't, you know, he wasn't bitching about it. It was just kind of stated matter-of-factly. I no, think- had Martavis said that, he, well, <laughs> when Martavis did say that, he talked about how he was better than Juju. Yeah, and he went after teammates. But, and he but Harrison did. <laughs> didn't talk about, I should be playing ahead of this guy or that guy. He basically said he's disappointed. But, Bob, don't you question if another team would have wanted him? I do. I do, and I, I I like what the Steelers are doing with him. Look, he helped uh, get the win in Kansas City at a decent game there with a sack. Um, but, but what T.J. Watt's doing right now with all his abilities to pass rush and to drop back into coverage, he can't do that. And, you know, if, if that's what Keith but- Butler wants out of that defense, there's just no reason to have him in there. You've got other people that are more athletic than him. Now, if it's just a pass rush specialty that they need maybe at the end of the game and they have to get to Flacco or something like that, then, yeah, I could see them putting him in. But, you know, I, I totally – look, they're sitting at 10-2 and two right now. Uh, you haven't heard anything from Harrison up until now. He's still lifting his weights. He's still getting a paycheck. Things aren't all that bad down there on the south side. Well, Ollie wrote a really good story about it at, at DK. He mentioned that uh, when Harrison came in last year, the Steelers were 4-5 and five and they were struggling mightily. But this year they're 10-2 and two and just don't need that spark. And furthermore, Bob, Bud Dupree hasn't been dominating, but he's been, you know, okay. And uh, T.J. Watt's been very good, and T.J. Watt's the guy who plays on Harrison's side. Yeah, you know, Bud Dupree, okay with a slant towards, boy, you could do more. You know, um, as if another Bud pass- Dupree wasn't a first-round pick, you'd figure, okay, he's he's all right. Exactly. Uh, well put. You know, and then you see a play like last week where he had them all wrapped up, and I don't know if he heard a whistle or what he was thinking or if he thought maybe the running back had the ball uh, and just, you know, he avoided a sack somehow there. Um, I, I think that you need more from Bud Dupree through the rest of the season um, if they're going to get, well, A, if they're going to get past the Ravens, and then B, definitely if they're going to get past the Patriots. Now, here's the stuff I love, Bob. You heard that dope that called uh, before the break that was living in the past regarding Harrison. Now I got a tweet where TC says, Harrison is still their best perimeter pass rusher. They need to use him as a pass rusher. Bob, what have we seen from James Harrison this year? I mean, my God, we've not even seen him enough to to ascertain that he's still their best perimeter pass rusher. But people want so bad for him to return an interception 100 yards in the Super Bowl again. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. That's not what this Steelers defense is looking for him uh, you know, to supply. I think that they are really happy with what Watt is doing, and that's the main guy playing at that position. And like I said, if an injury happens or they need a specialty at the end of a game or something like that, and they're, they're just throwing things against the wall to try and salvage something, you've got James Harrison there. But you don't mess with what's working right now. Uh, the Steelers are 10-2. and two. they got two big games, two monster games coming up right now. Uh, you stick with what got you there. Uh, have the Ravens supplanted the Bengals? Excuse me. Have the Bengals supplanted the Ravens as the Steelers' main rival? And if so, do you think that's temporary and really just totally due to Vontez Perfect? No, I think it's still the Ravens, Mark, just because the competition is closer between it, it, it the... It doesn't feel that way right now, though, does it? 
No, because I think everybody's, you know, right there living on, you know, off the emotion of that last game. And sure, there's a there's a hatred there, but I don't think many Steeler fans would say that that matches the rivalry. I mean, that rivalry is two mirror image teams. They both do things the same. They both do it well. They've had ups and downs kind of in parallel to each other over the last number of years. Uh, you know, you've just got too much background, too much history with Steelers and Ravens. That's look, people around the league say that that's the best rivalry in the league. It's not going to be supplanted just because of one emotional, you know, you know, violent game like you had. Well, Bob, we'll see. I think it has to do something to earn its stripes Sunday night. Well, I think it will because look, the Ravens are playing for everything right now. You know, yeah, the Steel- they, they really need a win, and they usually play well in Pittsburgh. They do. I, I mean, the Steelers play well on prime t- in prime time. Ben's very good in prime time, especially Sunday night. They're dominant there. Uh, but don't push. The Ravens are not a pushover right now, even with some of their injuries and you know suspensions. They're losing uh, Jimmy Smith, a cornerback. Um, There's still going to be a matchup. Harbaugh just seems to know how to dig into the Steelers at some points. And uh, let's hope that doesn't happen on Sunday. I think the Steelers win it, but it won't be a pushover. Well, Bob, let's look at the recent results. The Steelers obviously won uh, 26-9 to early this year in Baltimore and won last year at Baltimore, too. But the Ravens won the four meetings before that. Yep. And uh, they've done very well at Heinz Field in recent years, haven't they? They have. And even if you go back farther than that, Mark, I mean, look how many three- or four-point games that you've got in the history over the last six years, I would say. Like I said, mirror image teams, they both do the same things very well. Um, and they hate each other, but they respect each other. How many times have you seen that this week? Bob, at one point, this is a small sample. At one point between 2011 and 2013, four consecutive games were decided by three points between these two teams. And then uh, in 2015, both games decided by three points. So there you go. Very close games. A four-point game uh, in the corresponding fixture last year, Pittsburgh yeah. winning 31-27 at Heinz Field. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like I said, two teams, they do the same things well um, and, and around the league. A lot of people are talking about a couple of other rivalries that may be up there, but I think around the league everybody would vote. If you took a vote, this would be the best rivalry in the league. Okay, you got me convinced. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber. In 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about a sporting event that may well be entertaining, but it's being called by something it should not be called. And I got a bunch of calls, too. Jordan, Dennis, and Stush, please stay on hold. We'll get you in a moment on 105.9.